Good morning, good evening for us, and welcome back to the Living Every Now podcast, episode seven. How you doing? Seven well? already? Yeah, man. Wow. We're cooking. Cooking. We're cooking. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you, Jake? Excellent. We're we're both going out of town this weekend, and that's when we usually record. So we decided to record tonight. So good times. It's actually kind of a nice vibe. Anyway, today we're going to talk about drum roll, please. Drum roll. Uh huh. Compound interest. Whoa. Some refer to as the eighth wonder of the world. I refer to it as the ninth because my mother is the eighth. <laughs> That's beautiful, actually. Yeah, I love my mother. Yeah, you should send this one to her. Oh, yeah. She's probably <laughs> listening. Hi, mom. Um, okay, so compound interest. A lot of people refer to it in mathematics, um, specifically stati- statistics and mm-hmm. finances. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure most people are familiar with it in that capacity. Okay. However, the principle sen- uh, seems to extend itself into other areas of our lives. And I kind of wanted to cover that. Before we get into all the nitty gritty, could you give us like the second grader version of compound interest? The second grader? I'm honestly not familiar with what second grader means. Like a oh, second grader. That, like yeah. from first and then second grade. Yeah, like the grade that comes after first grade. Right. Okay. So compound interest is um, something that happens... In one instance, then the next time it happens around, it happens double that instance. So if you if you if you keep doing something multiple times, there's multiple instances of it. Each time it's doubling. So that's mm-hmm. that's the idea behind compound interest. That um, left unadulterated, uh, the compound interest will compound exponentially. And people, okay. I don't know if that would help a second grader. Actually, <laughs> it helped me. It helped me. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, the longer you do something, the greater benefit you'll see. So right. basically, like long-term benefit, long-term reward. Right, and this probably goes into a greater conversation of long-term, pri- like prioritization of long-term fulfillment over short-term fulfillment. But we're going to touch just on compound interest tonight. Okay. This morning, whatever, whenever you're listening. Um, so the principle and why we're addressing this is people often overestimate what they can do in one year but often underestimate what they can do in 10, except myself. I, I underestimate or I overestimate both. <laughs> I'm the only person. <laughs> um, That's an OG joke. <laughs> That's a throwback. Yeah, they'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, exponential growth is a com- concept that most humans just biologically struggle with. We, we like to see things linear- linearly yeah. and struggle to see them exponentially. And the great power in exponential growth, well, there is great power in extra exponential growth, um, especially when we let things compound. And that's why we're kind of getting into this today. Um, so so there's, there's a lot of different instances in which compound interest can be super effective. Uh, I think a really natural place to start is finances. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that for a second. Okay. Um, say... I think both of our investing strategies are pretty conservative at this point. They're minorly public <laughs> in our Discord. Uh, check out our Discord. Um, but if you if you look at our investing strategies, it's reliant upon compound interest. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that comes from Warren Buffett. I mm-hmm. think. I think g- generally he's kind of the master of compound interest. And yeah, he's Char- a big compound interest guy. Yeah, and Charlie Munger's a big second. Um, and they both run Berkshire Hathaway. Um, but if you look at if you look at compound interest, uh, a lot of the statistics about Warren Buffett are right. It's like he has however many billion dollars, 
but it, like eighty billion dollars, something at this like point? that. Yeah, an insane Six, amount of money. Like sixty-four point five billion of the dollars came after his sixty-fifth birthday, and it or something like that, something crazy yeah, like yeah. that. So, so to put that in context, the reason Warren Buffett is super rich is because he's super old and he's been investing his entire life. Exactly, and he makes that really clear in a couple different uh, signed-off biographies. Like he's never done an autobiography, but like he has his own uh-huh. biographies. He's been like, yeah, okay, whatever. There's this one called The Snowball, and it basically talks about that. That the reason Warren Buffett, who, for those of you that don't know, he's one of the most successful investors ever, and probably like the godfather of investing, um, who takes a lot of influence from uh, Paul Graham, or sorry, uh, Benjamin Graham. Yeah, Benjamin Graham. Paul Graham's another goat. Goat. Not related. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the reason, and he he self proclaims this. The reason he's so successful is because he started investing when he was like eleven. Eleven. Yeah, he made his first investment. Eleven. When he was 11 and years what is old. he now? Like ninety three or ninety four? Super old. Yeah. Super old. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reason he has billions, and he's no he's no um, he's not ashamed of that. Yeah. That the, he he like, knows. Like, let's not take away from his like brilliance. He's an incredible investor. Exactly. But, but there's pe- been people throughout history that have invested, yeah. made smarter decisions. Mm-hmm. Had better wins than him, but no one has done it as long, and that's yeah. why he's he can the do most it longer ex- than anyone else. Exactly. So, yeah. If you're if you're 11 years old and you're listening to this, start <laughs> investing, and you'll be Warren Buffett one day. Yeah, little bros, see yeah. me now. Um, just wait till you're 98 years old, and you can be one of the richest men alive. Exactly. And I don't know if that's what I want out of life. However, um, compound interest manifests itself in many different ways, mm-hmm. and like I don't know if I want to be 98 billion dollars by the time I'm. 95. Like I kind of want money while I'm young and <laughs> yeah, com- compound interest isn't going to help you with that gun. <laughs> right. So unrelated, but when we get back to compound interest, um, the power in compound interest is time. So on the, f- like, imagine, take an example. The first day you go to the gym, you lift two more pounds or okay. sorry, you lift, you have one pound you're lifting and then you lift two more. Right. Okay. And then you do that for 365 days. And I think you had, you had referenced this at one point. Do you remember how, how many you had, you were lifting hypothetically in a year if you had left, if you had gone to the gym every single day and it compounded? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wasn't so it like, wasn't it like 3000 something? Yeah. It was, if you started bench pressing on January 1st and you got 1% better every single day at the end of the year, you'd be benching like 3,400 pounds. That's crazy, right? But yeah, it, it seems like you'd be benching 365 more than 100. Exactly. But because of compound interest, 1%, you know, the, the size of that 1% grows exponentially, which is pretty incredible. Right. Um, so this principle not only transcends finance, it, it transcends weightlifting. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't think weightlifting <laughs> is exponential, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It definitely transcends money. And I think the takeaway is to just show up all the time and and and, it, and much like a couple episodes ago, like put in the work because mm-hmm. compound interest is, it, it tends to favor tail ends. And tail ends is a principle I got from the uh, Morgan Housel book, uh, so The Psychology of Money. Explain what tail ends are. And tail ends is basically like the majority of success comes at the very latest of a career or the very latest of an mm. effort. Period. So, like over a long term of of consist, consistent effort, much like Warren Buffett, the majority of his, his success came at the tail end of his career, mm-hmm. like after he was like beyond the age of retirement. Yeah, and he's making billions at this point, right now. Now, um, I I want to like formalize the way compound interest works a little bit better with some um 
like stories, but I'm I'm struggling to remember some. I know there's like a rice one with the old guy. Oh yeah, do that one's remember, sick. Do you um, remember that one with the chessboard and the rice? Yeah. So there was like a peasant, and mm-hmm. he goes to the king, and he says, oh, "I wager you uh, one rice one rice grain for every board, you know, times itself." So there's 36 squares on a board, right? Or 31 squares uh, on the board? There's 64 oh. on a chessboard. It's eight by eight. Oh, I'm, I'm, maybe you can tell better. If I remember it correctly, the king like asked a peasant, you could either have like a million bucks or I could give you one rice on the first day, two grains of rice on the second day, four grains of rice on the third day, and then you double it every single day. Right. And... You know, obviously, by the time you get to the end of the chessboard, yeah, you know, sixty-four. There's more grains of rice there than there are in the universe. Like exactly, two to sixty-fourth is. He had like he had like something trillion grains of rice. Way and, more than trillion. Like oh. two to the sixty-fourth is like more atoms than there are in the universe. I was re- when I was reading the anecdote, they basically said like you have you would have to take all the water of ocean, all the water in the ocean, and then you'd only have half the amount of water to to like actually plant all that rice and, and mm. water that rice. <laughs> yeah. Like hypothetically, if quite, the ocean, quite a bit of rice, if ocean water could even like feed plants, <laughs> <laughs> but we can't do that. Yeah. No, a lot of hypotheticals here. Okay. Sure. Anyway, anyway. So as we're talking about transcendence into other fields, mm-hmm. John Hayes, who is a cognitive psychology, uh, psychology professor at Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon university. Okay. He started with, um, the top 500 pieces. Oh, sorry. So sorry to, to intro him. He did a, he was interested in, um, composers and he was wondering, you know, what made great compositions? Okay. What, what kind of things were contributing to this? So, um, talking composers as in like Bach, right? Music, Bach. Mu- music composition. So he started with the top 500 pieces created between 1685 and 1900. Next, he met, he mapped out the careers of each composer he wanted to calculate how long each composer worked before creating a popular piece. This, this is really important for all my creatives. Listen up. He found that 99% of the pieces were all created after 10 years of work. Each composer needed a decade of practice to find success. Watching from the sidelines, these composers would come out of nowhere and be an overnight success. So this, is, this goes on... To the Malcolm Gladwell stuff. I was just going to bring up, is that like the 10,000 hour rule? Yeah, exactly. But it's actually popularized by Professor K. Anders Erickson. Reinforce this research. He found you needed to put in at least 10,000 hours to become an expert in the field. Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell popularized this theory. Okay. However, I guess it was wrongly attributed in my mind. And I found <laughs> out that K. Anders Erickson was actually the 10,000 hour um, originator. Thanks, thanks K. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's pretty it's pretty powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Do you and, remember any of the anecdotes from the Outliers book that would drive this point home? I have one anecdote here that I actually did write down, thank God. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so it goes, it's time for a test. I will give you a penny a day, doubled for a month, or I'll pay you $500,000 right now. What would you take? Well, knowing, you- knowing this conversation, <laughs> I'd take the penny because... One penny times, you know, two to the thirty second is a lot of money. Right. So if you said five hundred thousand, you'd be wrong. Doubling that penny for thirty one days turns into more than seventeen million. Yeah. Wow. But here's the thing: after ten days, the amount is less than ten dollars. So if you're wow, yeah, the process seems slow, 
almost like there are no results. In fact, it takes 26 days to reach the $500,000 mark. And then the magic starts. In the last five days, you earn more than $16.5 million mm-hmm. because of doubling. That's crazy. And so like the real power is in just holding out and keeping up the consistent effort. Yeah. That's right. super counterintuitive. I know. And that's why humans don't get it. And that's why we often, um, we often like fall prey to short-term fulfillment. Yeah. I, I feel. Um, so, but the most, you the most important component is time, yeah. right? It's, it's consistent effort over time or consistent um, investment over time. It's investing the same thing every month for a long mm-hmm. period of time. It's investing the same amount of effort every month into your craft for the same for a long period of time. But you you realize that overnight successes very quickly seem like ten years of hard work, and that most things are not attributed to natural grit or natural um, ability or gifts or talents, but really just hard work and work ethic and and commitment over time. Yeah. And so it makes it makes me feel like all my crazy ass dreams are super attainable because I know that if I just put in amount of the the work that I feel good about doing every day for 10 years, that's my formula. Okay. I should be successful by then. So if someone who was really good at math was to critique this, they would say that in statistics and math the exponentiation of the curve works because you can grow every single time. But in something creative or like weightlifting, you know, your growth is obviously not going to be exponential. You're not going to be able to bench 4,000 pounds at the end of a year. Right. Even if you're getting 1% better every day, it just doesn't really work like that. So how would you try to convince someone that like creativity or things that aren't strictly mathematical can still have exponential benefits over time? So, so just from experience, I can speak on tail ends being really true and that like the most substantial growth I've seen in my own music career or own creative career has been in the last year, for example, versus the last six that I've been contributing to it. You know, I've grown more in the last year or even the last two than, than the four prior to that or five prior to that. Um, I think that that stands to to say like the better you start getting at things, the the faster you can kind of grow. And I don't know if it's identical to compound interest, but I think the mental model holds true. Yeah. That that if you can approach life with a compound interest mentality, it generally pays off, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. And it has paid off for me. Okay. How, how about you? Have you experienced any um, positive compound interest anecdotes? Or do you um, have any rather? So in my personal life, I guess personal growth is kind of hard to measure in compound interest, but in in business or something, or just take this podcast, for example, there's probably like, what, 25, 30 people that might listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. But if we you know, keep doing it for 10 years, that number is going to be like doubling the penny. It's going to be really, really slow growth at first, but eventually that, that curve hopefully turns exponential. And the more audience you have, the more likely it is that the audience is going to grow because of the network effect of people sharing it. Totally. I actually can totally attribute that uh, for music. I totally agree. Yeah. Like, like the growth I had, at the beginning is always going to be super slow because there's no network effect. Yeah. I You, you want to hear something crazy? Um, so I had 13 monthly listeners before I dropped my album. And then I dropped the album and then it was immediately 450, like in a month. And that was 
clearly much, much greater growth than I had ever seen before that, even though yeah, there was percentage wise. a lot of what time. Is that like a 13 to 400? It was like 13,000% increase or 20, yeah. 26,000% increase or something <laughs> like that. I was like, oh, cool. I mean, it's since gone down. Like there's like a hype effect to music, but, mm-hmm. but um, still, I think my, I'm think I, my like uh, resting monthly listener rate is like 150 and it was 13. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty crazy to experience that. And I'm sure that'll keep, you know, yeah, every time you put like the goalpost moves, you know, exactly. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. I think compound interest can be a super effective tool to help you remember to prioritize long-term fulfillment. I think that long-term fulfillment usually lasts longer too for yourself. Like when you finally reach the, the goal that you're set on, okay. it, it seems to hold longer, mm-hmm. uh, at least in my heart. Like what I feel when I reach for a long-term invested goal and then it, it comes true, I feel like it lasts much longer than my goals that I set for a week okay, or something like that. And that's all I really have to say about that. But I, I, it seems almost every time in my life when I've made the conscious effort to prioritize long-term fulfillment over short-term fulfillment that I have been rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's another, there's a quote from Conor McGregor. I think he has it tattooed on his like left arm, which is his dominant arm. Which is one he punches people with. His punch arm. Yeah. <laughs> That's his punch hand. <laughs> He's an MMA fighter. Pretty popular guy. He says, um, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Yeah. And I think that that principle kind of applies to compound interest yeah. in that like it doesn't feel exciting. It's super boring, honestly. Yeah. For the most part to make consistent effort over a long period of time. So in the but, um, that, that saying or whatever, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Mm-hmm. In uh, Ryan Holiday's book called Stillness is Key, mm-hmm. he um, had that quote in there, and apparently it comes from bricklayers. Interesting. And he was giving some anecdote about um, Winston Churchill, who really, really liked to lay bricks in his free time. That was like how he burned off steam. And it was just something he did to, I guess, calm his mind. How about that? But apparently bricklayers... Are, get really really good at bricks by like meticulously going smooth and slow and the the slower you go the smoother you go and the smoother you go the faster you go in the right long run. right so. and that's the principle i think that that applies like you you seem to have more reward by being a compound interest investor than being a day trader trying to beat yeah. the market so just in finance what do you think about kind of the psychological as- aspect of that and being okay with being the boring trader or the boring creative. Dude, I think it takes confidence. Definitely. Gen- genuinely. I think it's really difficult because you have to be the one in the room that says, no, nah, I'm, keep- I'm keeping my effort consistent when mm-hmm. everybody else gets excited about something or everybody else gets depressed about something. Yeah. So people can, people can either be really hot on a topic or really negative on a topic, but you got to be Mr. Consistent. And, mm-hmm. and that's the, I don't know. I think we have like this, metaphysical motif in our lives where we're trying to search for middle good a lot of the time and, and, and find the middle of dichotomies mm-hmm. and I don't mean to get too deep, but being Mr. Consistent helps me continue to stay on that, that metaphysical path that we're talking about too. Mm-hmm. So ultimately I feel like it's as corny as this is that compound interest plays a huge part in me being fulfilled in my life. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's what that's what I mean. Just the linkage that we've just formed there 
just the fact that it helps me be more consistent yeah. and not so excitable. So it's just a mindset for you to remember that the things you're doing now are not to get a reward now. It's to get a reward in 10 years. Right. And for some reason, this, you know, compound interest is honestly a newer term to me. But okay. then, and I'm by newer, I mean probably the last three and a half years. Um, but long-term fulfillment was not. Delaying gratification was not. That was something I was taught somewhere along the lines. Okay. And for some reason, since I've started my career in music or, you know, that's what I'm pursuing really heavily right now. It's been that way from the beginning. Yeah. I've, I've never wanted to play the short game. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted, I've always been like, yeah, I'm starting music, but this is a 10, 15 year game. I'm, I'm, I hope I'm on by 30. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That makes sense. And it, it kind of applies to everything. Like you can't do a diet for a week. You have to do a diet for a year to get the benefits. Right. Right. You, you can't really expect the benefits now, but I'm trying to think if there's anything that I can point out that doesn't really apply to compound interest, mm-hmm. like something where you don't want to go the long-term route. Well, I think you made a good point earlier that it's not verbatim. Like you can't just go to the gym and lift uh, 1300 pounds after a month or whatever the compound interest is of you lifting weight higher and higher each time. You're not going to do that. You can't physically do that. So there, there are yeah. limitations to this theory. However, it's a great mental model to then yeah. take into practice. I think there's a little bit of a difference between delayed gratification and compound interest. They, they're kind of along the same path that the rewards come at the end and right. not at the beginning. Right. Um, and compound interest is definitely more of like the, the finance numbers side and like audience sizes and stuff. Right. But I still don't know if I can think of anything that doesn't apply with like long-term gratification. Like sometimes splurging is fun and like it's fun to have an immediate pleasure. Right. I think that I think that as as we talk about balance and finding the middle of dichotomy, I don't want to be Warren Buffett and eat a McDonald's cheeseburger every day and live in a four bedroom yeah. house. You know that's a really in, interesting dichotomy. In Oklahoma. Like he he literally lives in the two hundred thousand dollar house. He does he he could live in any house. <laughs> like literally any house. <laughs> he could live in any house anywhere in the world. And he chooses to live in Oklahoma, I think. Yeah. Or Nebraska, rather. He's from Nebraska. And in, I think it's a five-bedroom house. I mean, I respect him and for I, being so geared towards long-term gratification. I respect him too. But I do think that, you know, I, I'm going to die one day. And I want to, I want to live, I want to live a good time. Yeah, what's the point wanna, of having $80 billion if you never spend it? Exactly. And like, like he's not like out here, like donating like his ass off or anything. He's, he's just has it. He's got his money. <laughs> and he doesn't. I'm sure he's donating way more than we are. No, I know. It doesn't seem like a lot because he's got 80 B's. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my point though. Yeah. It's like live your life with some balance it is my opinion you know prioritize yeah. long term gratification 99% of the time or 95 even maybe mm-hmm. and then the 5% you know order fine dining to your house yeah <laughs> i did that the other night it was steaks. it was one of the best things ever tonight we ate filet just to, we we do a team dinner every week and we kind of splurge on one another we kind of treat each other to a, a a nice meal and i think that's one of my favorite parts of the week yeah and it's it's fun to eat good food and i don't feel bad about spending the money ever yeah. it's like it's just a good time and we don't do it every night we do it once a week so mm-hmm. there's the discipline involved with it you mm-hmm. know so i don't know i think that 
life is just about balance, but bring, bringing this mental model into your life, I think helps with your discipline, your long-term yeah. fulfillment. I think almost everyone who's not Warren Buffett could be more long-term oriented. Totally. <laughs> totally. Mr. Buffett could probably spurge a little bit. Mr. Buffett, if you're listening, go have some fun. Yeah. Man. Come on. <laughs> go have some fun. Go have some, some hookers, fun, bro. Warren. <laughs> Take Charlie with you too. That guy seems yeah. pent up. Yeah. So Charlie, oh, just one more point before we close. Um, Charlie Munger's brilliant man, Warren Buffett's right hand man, and what he says too is that one of the greatest uh, and most important attributes of compound interest is leaving it unaffected. So, just going back to like a financial perspective, doing everything in your power to make sure that you don't touch that money. And yeah. you keep adding to it is really important mm-hmm. for the compound interest to do its thing. Um, it's so so. How I think about that, especially after reading the Morgan Housel book, is or Mausel is it Mauser or Housel? Housel. Housel. Oh, Morgan Housel book. Morgan Housel. Um, the psychology of money. One more time. Um, I think about having cash so that when an emergency strikes, I'm not t- I'm not liquidating my stocks. And that I can keep that compound interest mm-hmm. doing its thing. I feel like every time I liquidate stocks, it's like a stab in the gut. It really is. Like the example you gave with the pennies, after like 10 days is what, 10 bucks or something? Exactly. If right. you take your money out after 10 days, you're never going to get to the point where you're seeing that that steep curve on the exponential right. curve. Right. And, if, and, and just as we kind of look into uh, finances just a little bit, I use this app called Wealthfront, which is pretty cool um, because it... it um, projects my exponential curve and i can see very clearly like if i keep up my current habits which are very modest i am only able to save a very little amount right now I, i'm talking 300 dollars a month in my stocks is eight million dollars if i keep this keep this up by the time i'm 65 i can see that projection and that that keeps me going at the light at the end of the table not that like i don't even know like eight million dollars might be nothing when when inflation happens and and hopefully that's adjusted for inflation. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know personally. Um, but it is it's very nice to have a tool to help me visualize the exponential curve because eight million dollars is way different than what I currently have in my stocks. <laughs> you know, yeah, me too. <laughs> so so it's it's pretty interesting and also very hope inducing to see that kind of uh, tool being used. Yeah, and see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I I recommend it. It's a free app. Um, they also are like a brokerage firm. You can like invest with them, but I just use it as a um, tool to monitor all my, all my stuff, all my different accounts, my debt, my credit. Um, yeah, that's cool. My checking savings stocks. Pretty cool. I highly recommend. Yeah. Check it out. Um, but yeah, man, d- did you have anything else? Did you want to go into anything else? No, but I like this episode. It was fun. Yeah. Good time. Um, if you get a chance, please rate us on Apple music and uh, Spotify and let us know what you think. We're looking for feedback. Share Here. this podcast with your moms. Shout out to all the moms. <laughs> yeah, shout out moms. We love you moms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, check out our uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Um, all yeah. at liveineverynow.com. Yeah. Or in at liveineverynow. Yeah, liveineverynow.com. Websites yeah. Yeah. almost one third of the way done. <laughs> We're getting almost, there. Almost. Almost. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for doing this with me, Jake. It was fun. My pleasure, brother. Peace. Peace. Peace.